Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. just amazing to be a part of a church to see that many people baptized. Amen. Just amazing what God is doing. Today, we're also going to kick off a brand new series called Exhausted. And after all those baptisms, that's what I feel like. I'm sweating and tired, but how many of that's a good tired? This series on exhaustion that we, we are kicking off today, I think will be a very timely Um, series for us because many of us are living what I call out of control pace of life. That's kind of where we live. Um, And a few years ago, and I'll go ahead and give you the title. I want to call this message The Theology of Busy. The Theology of Busy. A few years ago, before I realized the importance of balancing my schedule and balancing my time with God, my time with family, the ministry that God has called me to, I had a real moment um, where I had a wake-up call because it was during this season about five or six years ago that Bethesda Church really started to grow, and at that time, we didn't have um, adequate staff yet. We didn't have other people working here and helping me out, and so I was just burning you know, the candle on both ends, working 60 to 70 hours a week, taking every meeting that came my way, every phone call, every text, every email, and uh, I was just out of control, and, and, um, and not only was I doing that here, I was, I was taking engagements to other churches and helping, uh, go, going to preach revivals and doing some consulting, and I was just really out of balance, and it was during this season that I became very unhappy, and uh, because I was overworked and underrested, and I just didn't have control of my life as it related to my schedule. Not only was I unhappy, but Karen was unhappy. None of you guys never had that, right? But the real wake-up call came one day as I was sitting at another church talking to another pastor as we were talking about some things they needed to do in their church to start reaching people. And it was in this meeting that my phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and it was another pastor on the phone who said, what time are you arriving today? And it was in that moment that I thought he had mistaken or got his wires crossed, the date had to be wrong, But the truth was, is that I was so out of control in this season that I had double booked myself to be in two churches on the same day, and panic set in, and then shame, and I just had to say, hey, it's my fault, I'm so sorry, I won't be there. And it was in that moment that I realized that exhaustion had finally caught up with me because it had robbed me of my ability to even schedule properly. I, I wasn't even able to schedule things, and it's kind of funny when you think about that, but The thing that is not funny is that exhaustion is robbing a lot of people. It's robbing people of peace. It's robbing people of a great marriage. It's robbing folks from precious moments with their children, all because you're exhausted, you're worn out, and you don't feel like you have anything left to give. Maybe you're here today and you would say that you don't even remember life before you were exhausted. You've been in such a long season of it that you don't remember what it was like to feel rested. And it's interesting that as it relates to exhaustion, Jesus has some some things to say about it, and he connected it to the end times. 
And here's what Jesus said in Luke 21, 34. He said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Jesus is speaking to those that are exhausted, they're overwhelmed, they're unrested, they're anxious. And he says that, that what happens is, is that you start to feel trapped. And I think that's where a lot of people live in this fast-paced life that we're all trying to keep up with is that we feel trapped. We feel boxed in. We feel like this season will never end. When will I feel better again? When will I feel rested? When will I have family time again? And so what I want to do to start this message off, and I don't plan on speaking more than about 25 to 30 minutes, is I want us to do some self-diagnosing today self-diagnosing, and let's look at the signs of exhaustion. Sign number one that you're exhausted is that your resistance is lower. When you're worn out, your resistance is lower. How many of you understand that we make the worst decisions when we're tired? When we're worn out, we do not make sound decisions. Um, Think about this. When, when you're tired, your memory, you, you thought you were just old. The truth is you're exhausted. Your memory is not what it used to be. Another factor when we're worn out and tired and exhausted is that we are not as creative as we should be. And what I mean by that, God is the ultimate creator. He, he's creative. He creates things. Uh, he makes things out of nothing. And, and when we become Christians and followers of Jesus, how many know that he wants us to reflect him and we should also be creative? But many of us, we've lost our creativity because we're exhausted. And, and you, you would have some amazing ideas for your business or for your marriage or for your kids or for what God has called you to do, but you're too exhausted to tap into the creativity that God has placed in you. And most of us, when we're tired and exhausted, we don't pick the best option. We pick the easiest option because we don't have anything to give. Not to mention when our bodies and emotions are stretched to the breaking point, we are at risk in those seasons of making sinful decisions. The second sign that you're exhausted is that your emotions are inconsistent. You're up and you're down. We've all re returned home from a long day at work and we get home and we overreact and and we say things we shouldn't say to people that we love. And then we have that moment where we think, why did I say that? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I angry with people that I love? All because we are exhausted. Our emotions are out of whack. And I want you to hear my heart today. And, and, and you need to get this point here. Out of control emotions reflect an out of control pace of life. Out of control emotions reflect an out-of-control pace of life. You are trying to live at a level and at a pace that even your emotions cannot keep up with. The third sign that you're exhausted is our most important relationships suffer. The people we love the most get hurt when we're tired. And it's crazy how exhaustion will cause us to neglect the people that we care about the most. When I was living in that out-of-control pace of life season that I was in, I didn't realize it at that time, but the people I was hurting the most was my kids and, and especially my wife. I was hurting her the most. She started to feel like she was second to my calling. And for years, I justified 
60 to 70 hour work weeks and taking every call, every meeting, every, I got to return every email. I took that as my calling. I'm doing the work of the Lord, right? We, we start making excuses for us living out of balance. But what I've learned over the years, and, it, and I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but after some experience and after some pain and after some regret, I have learned that what God has called me to do should never hurt those I love the most. That there is something to be said about the people that, that God has called you to, your spouse, your children. That your calling should not make them suffer pain because of what you're doing with your job or your calling. And it's crazy as a pastor when I think about how foolish I was in that season. Because, And I don't want any sympathy today. I'm just giving you my experience. I can't preach your experience. I'm going to preach my experience. But, but it's crazy when I think about... Because as a pastor, and some of you have pastored before, or you've been on staff somewhere, you know what I'm talking about, you can pour your entire self into people. You can pray with them, you can counsel them, you can lead them to Christ, you can baptize them, you, you can dedicate their children, officiate their weddings, and at the drop of the hat, they will still leave you and talk about you. People I poured everything into. Like every ounce of energy I had, they've left me before. And so when I think about that, how crazy it was to elevate people to a place that I invest more into them than I do my own family. I've grown up a little bit at the age of 39, and I'm going to let everybody know nobody who attends this church will ever be more important than that woman sitting right there and those four kids, ever. It will not happen. I got some great advice this week. I was at a conference in Tampa and just uh, had the privilege of speaking at this conference, but more than speaking, it was what was being spoken over Karen and I as we sat there with Pastor Jensen Franklin and Sammy Rodriguez and some people that everybody would know, just, just the messages that were coming forth. I felt like that God put us there specifically to say some things. How many know it's awesome when God positions you in a place where you know that the word that's coming forth is specifically for you. There's something powerful about it. And one afternoon, as this one minister who pastored the same church for 40 years, he sat on a couch to be interviewed, and his church was a struggling church of 20,000. Um, <laughs> but as he sat there and he he began to speak as a father. You know, you could hear the father in him. There was just a fathering anointing as he spoke. And he, he talked about how that when your church grows, and, and you, need to, you need to understand that what God wants to do many times is he wants to move you on beyond pastoring a city, and he wants you to pastor a region. And it was in that moment, and I can remember 10 years ago standing on this platform saying God has called us to be a regional church. And, and to see the fulfillment of that, that, we're, that I'm not just pastoring White Sulphur Springs in this season, that God has elevated this church to such a degree that we are pastoring the region. And as I thought about that, and then he made this comment, he said, when that happens, you have to learn in those seasons that people will come and people will go. 
That is just part of it. He said, but as a leader, as a pastor, he said, what I had to learn to do is that I was just simply, I, I, I made myself do this. And he said, sometimes I had to grip my teeth to do it. But he said, every time people came, I blessed them. And every time they left, I blessed them. That as they came and as they left, I simply spoke blessing over them. And he, he, he translated that into that if we can keep a good attitude in those seasons, because how many know, if they left Jesus, they're going to leave Chad Dingus, right? If Jesus couldn't keep them all, then I'm not going to keep them all. But if we have an attitude of I'm going to bless them when they come, bless them when they leave, God, there is no limit to how God will add to Bethesda Church in this next season. And maybe that's not for you, but it was for me. And, and a great example is one day as Jesus is watching followers, and you can read this in your Bible, it's crazy. You think, would anybody leave Jesus? They left him by the multitudes. They walked away from him by the thousands because he had made a comment about drinking his blood and eating his flesh, and the Bible says multitudes left. Like, they're done with Jesus. Like, that's weird, buddy. We're not following you any longer. And it was in that moment that Jesus asked a question. He said to his followers, to his 12, he said, will you also leave me? And Peter, you know, he messed up a lot, but this time he got it right. He said to Jesus, he said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this pastor who was talking about this this past week, he said, the way you know you have a pastor is that when they speak, you hear God through them. And when you hear God through a man or woman of God, you need to know that is your pastor and you need to come up under that. Amen. I've always had a pastoral voice in my life. I still have voices that are able to speak into me and, and we all need that. And, and many of us, we need to hear today that God has not designed us to live a burned out, exhausted, frustrated life. That is not the plan of God. Some of the statements that may sound familiar to you as it relates to exhaustion, some of the things that I would hear in that season was, do you ever have time for us anymore? Do you have to take that phone call too? Do you really have to go back to work? How many of you have ever experienced that, right? You all know what I'm talking about. That's where many of us live. And it turns out that when we are exhausted, everyone suffers. Everyone we love suffers when we're tired. The third or fourth sign is that our relationship with God becomes distant. It's in seasons of exhaustion that we start making excuses like, I don't have to be in church today. I don't need to go to small group. I'm going to hit decline on planning center. Come on, y'all smile at me. Why? Because when you're exhausted, the last thing you're thinking about is drawing closer to God. When you're exhausted, you enter into selfish mode, and it's all about you. And finally, the fifth sign that you're exhausted is that our attempts to rest don't even work. We take the long weekend or the week-long vacation, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me countless times. You take a vacation, you come home from the vacation, and the first thing you say is, I need another vacation. You're more tired after the, the week off than you were before it started. You're more tired after the day off and the long weekend than you were before it started. And, and, and then we, when, when we can't find rest, we start self-medicating. 
And so we want to take a pill for anxiety. And I'm not against you taking some. Don't, don't take me wrong. Or we medicate through social media. We medicate through hours of television. All because we're looking for rest and we can't find it. We can't find the rest that we're looking for. We're tired. We're worn out. Our family knows it. Everyone connected to us knows it. And, and here's the thing. Often we attempt to escape reality. That's why we do the social media, the long hours of TV, and we fill our lives with all these hobbies. Is because instead of um, taking hold of our life, we want to escape our life. See how quiet it is? And you know why? Because we got a bunch of exhausted folk in the house. Why is it that we can't find true rest? I believe it's because we've been treating the symptom and not the source. And if you can take anything away from this message today, please take this next line away. Exhaustion is a spiritual problem, not a schedule problem. When we're exhausted, the first thing we do, I'm going to buy a day planner, bless God. <laughs> Solve all my problems. You go ahead, knock yourself out. You'll still be tired. You'll still be worn out. I'm going to take a long weekend, preacher. Great, I think everybody should get away and enjoy a long weekend. Matter of fact, if you can take two weeks, take it. Right? Take it. I'm, I'm for all of that. But Jesus described, when we follow him, the kind of life that we should be living. And I think a lot of us, if we were honest today, we would have to admit that the life Jesus has called us to and the life we're living is two different things. Here's what Jesus' words are. Matthew 11, he says this in verse 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Very clearly, Jesus tells us that if we're exhausted, tired, worn out, burned out, he said, if you'll walk with me and work with me, I'm going to show you how to encounter the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm, I'm not going to put anything on you that's going to weigh you down. Matter of fact, I'm going to lighten your load. I'm going to take some things off of you. And we are doing this series, these three weeks, because I believe many of us are not living the life Jesus has designed. Let me give you three things that I want to call our busy beliefs, all right? This is our busy beliefs. The more I have, the happier I'll be. Come on, look at your neighbor and just shake your head. The more I have, the happier I'll be. We live in this fast-paced life with limited opportunity. We're constantly bombarded with advertisements of things we need, things we need to buy. You can't live your life without this product. All of that stuff, and we, we go after it. We go for it. We get every new gadget, every new thing that comes across our desk or, or across our computer. We go for it. And this appetite, listen, this appetite for more is really a form of greed. It's a form of greed, and it's, it's a false belief that if we have more stuff, we're going to enjoy our lives. I tend to believe that sometimes, many of us, the more stuff we get, the less likely we are to enjoy our lives. 
I'm not against you having stuff and all kinds of stuff. But here's the problem. Our stuff has us. Some of us are addicted to a cell phone. I mean, something that fits in our pocket. Like, if we leave the house without it, we'll go ahead and turn around and be an hour late for work and tell the boss, man, I'm sorry, but I lost my, I, I had to go back and get the cell phone. I can't do an eight-hour shift without that. But there are times when you need to shut everything off and enjoy God's presence. And not only enjoy God's presence, enjoy the people God has put in your life. Enjoy your spouse again. Enjoy your kids again. Enjoy the things that God has blessed you with. (laughs) Escaping exhaustion means that we have to break the idea that keeping up with the Joneses will bring peace and satisfaction. I've never understood why we try to impress people we don't even like. Whoop, whoop. I'm in the right place. Busy belief number two, the more I do, the more I am. And I'm going to be honest with you. Five, six years ago, that was me. The more I do, the more I am. My worth, my value, my significance, my importance was all tied to what I did, not who I was. My identity was being locked up in what I could accomplish. And many of us, we've convinced ourselves that we should wear busyness as a badge of honor. Like it's some kind of medal if we're busy. Because if I'm busy, I mean I'm important. And if I'm important and I'm valuable, and we start missing what God is doing in our lives. And, and I would encourage you today to, to strike up a conversation with somebody. I, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Strike up a conversation today with 10 different people and ask them how they're doing. And I would almost guarantee, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would bet on this, all right, that if you were to do that, 10 for 10, they would tell you how busy they are how busy they are because we wear busyness as a badge of honor. And my theory is that busyness is our means of identity. That if I'm busy, I'm important. What you won't find in those conversations of people being busy is their motivation for being busy. Why are you living out of control? Why are you trying to achieve, achieve, achieve? See, overworking, this is going to be hard because I know I'm talking to some people that are wired like me. I can be a workaholic real quick. But see, a lot of times when we're overworked, we're trying to, we're trying to cover feelings of inadequacy. We have, we have that internal voice that tells us if we don't do more, then we're not important, we're not valuable, we're not successful because we're not busy. See, our titles and accomplishments become our identity. And when that happens, we're no longer human beings. We've become human doings. One of the cool things about Jesus, think about this. The Son of God was on the earth 30 years before he started his ministry. But at the age of 30, he hadn't healed one person. He hadn't performed one miracle. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't done any of that stuff. The scripture says that Jesus was baptized. And in that moment, the heavens opened and the Father spoke. Before Jesus done anything that we would call significant, the Father spoke. And here's what the Father said. You are my beloved Son in whom 
I'm well pleased. See, we only think God is pleased by the doing. How many know that God would have died for you if you never do anything? That there is a love for you. That, that his love for you is not contingent on what we do or don't do. And we, we, we fall into this trap of, of, of overworking to cover feelings of inadequacy. John 15 and 15, Jesus said this. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. And that, at the end of the day, guys, more than my calling, more than preaching, more than pastoring. Do you know what God wants from Chad Dingus? He wants to be my friend. He wants to know me on an intimate level. And as long as our worth comes from accomplishment and people's acceptance of us, man, that's another sermon right there. Some of us, we are so tied to people's acceptance that it keeps us exhausted and we never feel like we measure up. But I got a word for you. Their praise didn't get you to where you are right now, and their criticism can't take you out of where you are right now. You are accepted. Busy belief number three. Hit your neighbor and say, it won't be long now. If I don't, it won't. I'm going to say that again. If I don't, it won't. We become God. This will never be accomplished without me, Lord. I've had people crazy enough to think that if they left Bethesda, we, we would have to fold because they left. Precious child. Bethesda's going to go on even if I kick the bucket. If you kick the bucket, guess what? It's going to move on. I know you're important. You're just not that important, all right? God's kingdom's going to move forward. And some of us think that we are God's gift to everything. Without me, our family won't make it. Without me, I keep us all together. Without me, you're not God. Stop trying to be God. Because the more we, we try to take control of everything in our life, the more we are excluding God from being involved. And listen, you don't have the power to keep everything together. Only God can do that. Only God can sustain us and keep us. And some of us, what we're really saying with all of our working and striving and trying to gain acceptance, what we're really saying is, God, I don't trust you, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I don't know about you, but I want to trust God. It doesn't mean that we're lazy. God wants us to do what we can do. But some of us have, we've gone beyond what we can do. We're in a place of exhaustion where everybody's being affected, affected negatively. At the end of the day, if we'll do what we can do, what God has called us to do, because what we need to know is God doesn't hold us accountable for what we do. He holds us accountable for what he called us to do. Some of the things on your to-do list may not be anything God's asked you to do. I mean, that might be a good place to start. God, what have you called me to do? What have you asked me to do? It was during this season that I spoke of earlier that when my life was out of balance, more than just a phone call from another pastor, I had realized in this season I had neglected some people that were very important to me, Karen and the kids, and, and, and I was hurting them because I was striving to, to do more 
so that I could be more. Like I, I, if I was busy, I was more important. And I want to be honest with you, the, the moments following that were some of the most honest moments of my life where I had to start asking questions like, why am I doing this? Why am I living at that kind of pace? Why is it that everybody's needs and wants and desires, and, and it's not that people's prayer requests are not important and emails are not important, but why is all of that more important than my own family? See, true rest is not a reward for doing work. True rest is a reward for trusting God. At the end, listen, guys, I thought I, was, I could be God to this place. I can meet every need. But what I come to realize is that I didn't found this church. Jesus did. I didn't die for this church. Jesus did. I can't provide for this church. Jesus provides for this church. And so there is a rest and there is a peace that comes with, yes, I'm going to work hard and do my due diligence, but I'm not going to live the exhausted life because Jesus did not call us to exhaustion. He called us to rest. And part of resting is trusting. And all the control freaks are mad. Y'all having fun, I am. I'm going to give you three quick steps. All right, it's going to be real quick, five minutes. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. If we're going to find rest, the first thing we have to do is come to God. And this is so, it sounds cliche and easy, but burnout is always spiritual before it's natural. Real rest does not come from a day off. I've tried that. Real rest does not come from a vacation. And I encourage days off. I encourage a Sabbath. I encourage vacations. I encourage all those things. I think people should do those things. Those are, those are life-giving. We should all take advantage of those things. But real rest comes from the presence of God. And it's crazy how we put all our eggs in a basket of, if I can just make it to that month, I'll get away, praise the Lord. Aren't you tired of living with the, with the mindset of, if I can get through one more week, if I can get through one more month, and you, you've been saying over and over, it's just a season. Your season's been seven years. You've been saying that, for seven years, when are you going to get into God's presence and realize that God doesn't just have peace, he is peace. And when I sit in the presence of God, I am sitting in the presence of peace. And everything around me may be falling, falling apart, but God has the ability to speak peace to me right there where I'm at. Second thing, you got to confess that you're exhausted and you have to admit that your way is not working. Your attempts to rest is not working. And I want you to think honestly in this moment about your life. I mean, a lot of people, they call it depression. They call it burnout. They call it the blahs. Whatever you want to call it, all of those things that are going on, they're warning signs that something needs to change. And listen, some of the warning signs will come through, through voices that you respect it was in that season when I was living that kind of life, I was getting random te texts from other pastors saying, are you resting? Thinking, people are going to hell. What are you talking about? <laughs> you go on and rest. 
one of my friends, he, he fell into the same trap, and he made the comment one time to a pastor. He said, the pastor said, you need to take a day off. You need to rest. You need to let God fill your tank back up. And he said, the devil don't take a day off. And then the pastor spoke back to him and said, I don't think you should be modeling your life after the devil. Come on, hit your neighbor upside the head and tell him rest. <laughs> I'd get random texts that I needed to rest, that I needed to take care of myself. And man, it started coming from this person and this person. And then I started realizing I've got a problem. God's telling random people that I need to rest. Karen telling me for three years, I guess I'm hard-headed. But when she's telling me and everybody I'm connected to is telling me, that was a warning sign that something in Chad Dingus needed to change. Some of you are here and that's, that's, that's your moment today. Something in you needs to change. And the last thing is the worship team comes back. I'm asking our entire church to commit the next several weeks to learn how to rest. Again, it's not just a day off. It's not just a vacation. It's getting in the presence of Jesus and allowing him to speak peace over you. I heard this story of a pastor who was visiting Israel, and as he was in Israel, he was on this tour, and as they were traveling by, he looked over to the side, and he saw this flock of sheep all moving together. And what was weird is, is he didn't see a shepherd. And, and he thought to himself, I wonder where the shepherd is. And, and then he looked again, and the sheep were, were moving, and then there was this guy who was behind the sheep, which really contradicted him as a pastor. He's thinking, you know, a shepherd leads the flock. The, the, the flock follows the voice of the shepherd. That's how it works. And, and so it was really confusing to him, so he asked his tour guide, he said, why is the shepherd behind the flock and not in front of the flock. And the, the tour guide said, oh no, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. <laughs> Psalm 23 says, our shepherd leads us to rest by still waters. My question to close this message out is, are you being led by the shepherd or is your life being driven by the butcher? See, God, God leads. He doesn't push. He doesn't shove. He's not the butcher driving you to do more and be more. God is leading you. He said, my sheep know my voice and the strangers, they will not follow. And I believe with all my heart, there are people in this room that your life feels like you've been, you're, you're being driven by the butcher. The enemy is the one who comes, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He, he, how many how many's ever made this statement? I said this even recently. And then I had to think about what I said. Everything always feels uphill. Come on, anybody ever made that statement? It just feels like we're always pushing the thing up the hill. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit's not leading. It's quiet in this house. You know why? Because I'm talking to a bunch of exhausted people. People that are being driven instead of led. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead us again by still waters, a place of rest, a place of peace in our life. Would you stand to your feet?
this morning. A little bit different today, kind of heavy, I know. I'm bad for that, right? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as the Holy Spirit is dealing with people's hearts today. If you're watching online or if you're in this room, I want to give you an opportunity to find true rest. See, as an unbeliever, you don't have true rest outside of a relationship with Jesus. It's not going to happen. You're going to try this and that and make this amount of money, buy this new gadget. You'll still be unfulfilled. You'll still be tired. You'll still be worn out. It's Jesus that gives rest. It's Jesus that gives peace. So what you may need to do today is give your life to Jesus. Ask him to come into your heart and lead your life. Ask him to forgive you of all your sins. That's, that's the place of rest. That's the place of peace. So if you're watching online today, there's a place there that you can click that if you want to receive Christ, you can do it right now, right there at your computer in your living room, in your bedroom, kitchen, doesn't matter where you are, God will meet you. But if you're here and you're under the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor, you're talking to me today and I know that I need Jesus and I don't want to leave this place the same way that I came in, I want to ask him into my heart. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have peace of mind, true peace that only comes from Jesus. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you right now just to throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus. If that's you, just throw your hand up. One over here, God bless you. I see this hand right there. God bless you. Anyone else, you say, I need Jesus today. Another one back there, God bless you. Another one back there, God bless you. One over here, God bless you. Anyone else, you say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you for those hands that have went up. Bethesda, we're going to pray with all, all those that have raised their hands that are confessing today that they need Jesus to come into their heart and save them. I want every voice lifted today. Come on, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all my sins. Thank you for your peace and for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people that made a decision. Yes. Come on, two more just got saved online. Come on. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. Just a different anointing in this place. And the reason it feels different today is because people are tired. People are worn out. They need Jesus to speak into their heart and into their life. And you can, you can almost sense the heaviness in the room today. And I, I want to give you an opportunity to receive prayer today. I'm going to ask my prayer team, my staff, if you would, to please come forward now in this moment. We have one more worship song. And this prayer time, if you're tired and worn out and you just need somebody to agree with you, that you can find that place of rest in Christ, that you, you can stop trying to control everything in your life. If you just want somebody to agree with you and pray with you, we're here to do that. But we're not limited to just that. If you have any need at all, anything that you want prayer for, that's what this time is for. We are here to connect with you. Before we sing this last song, pray for people and worship God, can we just give God the best praise we have all day for everything he's accomplished? Amen. What an awesome God. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.